right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. We are going to be in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 this morning. Um, and so kind of just give you a heads up, the game plan is this. We'll look for probably about two weeks at this thought of recalculating. Um, and then I'm just, I'm just really praying through, just feel like God's going to, it's kind of pressing me into uh, kind of uh, what do we do with everything happening in our world type type sermon. Um, and so I've just been studying and reading and um, looking and just praying at some of, some of that thought, uh, especially with all the unrest in our world with what's happened over the last week and then especially just even in, in the, uh, the pandemic that we're currently in. And so just kind of praying through some of that. So um, just kind of, an, I guess, a trajectory for the next few weeks uh, for us as we get to uh, gather back here in this place. And so um, as I was just looking and, and looking at dates, it has been 10 weeks since we've gathered. Ten weeks since the body has been able to gather here corporately together at 350 Old Furnace. And so I was just, man, been praying and anticipating and excited for this day and just um, wondered what it would be like. Wondered what it would be like whenever we get the body back together and we can see family again and we can see each other and have community. And um, it it looked a lot like this for me over the last few hours. So for me, last night, one o'clock was my bedtime. Um, and not because that's my bedtime, because I just couldn't. Like, I couldn't shut down. Couldn't turn it off, and so I was so excited. And then my wake-up time was 5 a.m., and not because there was an alarm, because Lord knows I would never set an alarm for 5 a.m. If you do, God bless you. But me, absolutely not. Um, and so 5 a.m. was my wake-up time, and so I'm just laying there, and I'm praying, and I'm seeking, uh, and just trying to, uh, God, what do you want to do? God, what's going to happen? I mean, I'm just excited to see people and excited to get back together, and then to drive in, like I'm listening. So, so usually my routine is this, is I get up, and I'll, I'll pray for a minute, and then I'll start to get ready and things like that, and as I drive in, um, I, I, I'm always cranking, like, worship music coming here. And, like, I am, like, just weeping. Like, I'm, like, I need windshield wipers for in here, and I'm just, like, snotting everywhere. I've sanitized since then. Um, but, but like, I'm just like, man, I'm just like a baby. Like, I'm so excited. And then I get here and uh, I preach to the empty room again because that's just been, no, um, not what we like to do. But I just like to kind of go over and make sure. And so I did all of that. And just, man, the excitement that's in my heart this morning to, to have people gather together again and I pray and I hope that you feel that same way and, and for those of you watching online man we long to get the whole family back together and so we just we are praying that there'll be that day soon where the whole family can gather again together without fear or worry uh, of anything and so before I really jump into where we're going to be this morning um, I just want to brag for a few moments is that okay we just take a minute I just want to brag on some people um, and the first guy that I'm going to brag on actually is not in here because he can't be right now. Uh, but Franklin Hang, man, our media coordinator, our guru of the online, of the website, of the app, of everything that you see in here as it pertains to sound and media, that guy has worked tirelessly over the last three months of getting this together, not to mention having to put up with me and Tyler recording and editing and, and all of that type of stuff. I mean, he has just went above and beyond to be able to, to give to our church and our community all that you've seen online. And, and so I just want to, man, he has been phenomenal. Franklin, I love you and I am so thankful for you. Um, the next people I want to brag on is, is all those who have helped make this possible in regards to our online stuff with our uh, leading worship, playing instruments, 
filming all of that type of stuff. And again, over the last three months, man, you guys have been phenomenal driving up, getting ready, pushing through all of that stuff, and even having other people that would fill in and help out. I mean, I I just want to say thank you so much for all of all of your service. Somebody else that that just comes to mind real quick is is Ashley Clunan. I know she's not in here right now, but she's our uh, children's director. Man, she has done a phenomenal job. Uh, of, of just trying her best. I know for Easter they did the egg hunt and just a number of things and her, her messages that she's been uh, recording and trying to get out there and the, the, the table that she set up out there for the kids to have something to doodle on or color. Man, she, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's her heart aches that she couldn't be together with kids. And she's a teacher, so it's even double time worse. And so, um, man, she's just done a phenomenal job trying to love on our kids and her team. Um, and I know in this list, I'm probably going to miss some people, and please, please forgive me, um, but somebody else that I want to brag on is Steve Traeger, and I want to brag on you for a second, sir, because, man, just seeing your heart of service through this, Steve drives a, a bus um, for the school, and he's been able to deliver food throughout this uh, time off from school, and just through that, being able to see his heart of service, and, and he doesn't just take food and deliver it, and that's it, no, he, he's got a compassionate heart, and he wants to connect with people, and so to see him just love on kids and to, to do that. And so what's happened from there is that they've had extra food left over. And so he'd bring it to us and we would try to help distribute it, which brings me to the next person I just want to commend is Patty Kelly in the back. Um, PK Outreach. She oversees uh, this ministry that was birthed out of her heart um, for helping women and children and those that are uh, beat down and, and pretty much pushed to the side and to see you two kind of team up together and be able to uh, help feed and to be able to serve and Tyler and I've had an opportunity some to kind of partner with that ministry over this break and uh, from putting up blinds in a trailer to uh, unloading furniture and so just and those people have just really encouraged me to see their heart and to see uh, and them continuing to to serve and go at it um, and then this next person I'm just scanning because I'm a little bit afraid of her as I always say I don't think she's in here right yet uh, but Miss Donna, you want to talk about a woman that cleans? I mean, she has done everything short of cleaning me, um, which I'm sure if she would have had the stuff, she would have. But, man, she has been so concerned about the men and women who would walk into this building. Am, am I not lying? I mean, she would clean every week as if we'd already been here and filled this place, spraying chairs, wiping down chairs, handles. I, I, I'm surprised the polish and the handles isn't off already. I mean, she has just been phenomenal cleaning and taking care of this place and making sure it was spick and span and ready to go for this day when we get to gather back here in this place. And then um, there was a team yesterday here putting out mulch for our children's playground. It is so close to being finished. It's practically finished. We just need to get a little bit more mulch to put out. But the playground out here on the side is, is up, and we're going to have a day in the future where we dedicate that and just, man, celebrate that. But just that team yesterday, and I know there's countless teams that have served and, and men and women that have just given their lives away over this. And, and the last people that I want to brag on for just a second before we kind of just get headed into where we're going this morning is the generosity of New Life Baptist Fellowship. And I have just been blown away, and I, and I see Don back there going, mm-hmm. That's a preach it. I got it. I'll I do it. I'm, I'm going to bang on this drum like crazy. Because of your generosity, church, we haven't missed a beat. N- not even close. We've, you can kind of correct me here. You, you correct a preacher if you need to correct him here. But I feel like over the last three months, we've probably brought in more finances than we've ever brought in in a three-month stint. Consistently. Which kind of causes me to be a little worried 
I'm just picking. Televangelist is not in my future. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Maybe it should be. Anyway, no, I'm joking. But, but, man, but, but honestly, I just, I just want to brag on you and say thank you so much for your generosity, for your heart of giving. Man, man the men and women at New Life Baptist Church that give faithfully to support us. And, and like, we're in, a, we're in a pandemic. Like, people are losing their jobs and stuff is happening. And hear me, church, we want to be there for you and do whatever we can. And to see you be here for the church and this community and to give like you've given and to do all that you've done, it just, it blows me away, the heart of this church, for this community, for the people in this area, and for you to give and to be the way that you have. I mean, all that you see here, the cameras, the, the sound system. I don't know if you've checked out the new little room that Franklin's in right now, kind of mixing all of this and doing all that so we can push it out and people can uh, experience exactly what you're experiencing here online uh, from the playground. I mean, there's just been so much because of your generosity, your giving. A PK outreach, that ministry there. I mean, there's just been so much that we've been able to do because of your generosity. And I just, I just want to just... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang on that drum as long as I can and as often as I can because of your giving and your faithfulness and your heart. Man, we have been able to do and accomplish so much even throughout all of this. And so I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, all that you've done, all that you've made possible as a result of. So the game plan is this. For the next couple of weeks, is we're just going to be in this series called Recalculating. And, and so... We'll, Really, it just kind of was birthed out of two thoughts. Uh, anybody ever take a trip, and on that trip you use GPS? Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Quite often I, I use that. And so there's this thing when you're using GPS, if you happen to miss a turn, and it depends on, like, I guess the volume level you have on your GPS maybe, but, but like for me, I feel like mine gets hateful when I miss a turn. I don't know why, but I feel like she's, her volume goes up a little bit when I miss the turn. But it always does this recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And so I just was just thinking kind of throughout the last couple of weeks just about that and taking a trip and looking at it and this whole thought of recalculating and kind of looking at some things and um, uh, redoing it uh, in, in a way that's going to be honoring to God and in a way that would kind of help us get to the destination maybe a little bit quicker. And, and so that's... The second thought is, is I mean, we're, just, we're going in a direction as a church, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere for 10 weeks, we aren't able to gather and do some of the things that we normally do. And this is what I know about these last 10 weeks, is that they've been bathed in prayer. Like, we have prayed and we have seeked. There's been a ton of self-assessment on my part, as well as assessment on who we are as a church, where we're headed, what we're doing. And, and I believe that this interruption for the church locally, as well as universally, has been a good thing. I believe it has been a good thing, and I reluctantly say that because, hear me, I've missed probably as much as anybody in this room gathering corporately together. I've missed being together with the family as much as anyone, but I believe that this time off has allowed us to do some things well as well as be able to assess some of the things that maybe we can do better. And, and I just believe, I just believe that maybe for us that this is one of those recalculating moments. Yeah, we're headed in a good, right direction. But what if maybe there's this little off-ramp that we can take that will help us get there maybe just a little bit quicker? Help us be able to do something just a little more efficient. And so that's kind of what's happening here. And, and I'll reveal more, and we'll talk more about that here shortly. But, but I just believe this is just one of the things that God's just really convicted in me is this is, am I willing to assess my own life personally and recalculate where I need to as I follow Jesus? 
And something else that he's pressed upon my heart is this, is am I going to be willing to do that with the church? As the man that's going to stand before God one day and say, okay, God, God, this is your church that you've allowed me to lead and be a part of. Am I going to listen to your voice and follow you regardless? So the game plan is this week, I'm going to make it personal for us. I want to make it personal for you. I want to press you to examine your heart, examine your life. See if it's a life that's maybe been wasted some and needs some recalculating. And then what we're going to do next week is we're going to, we're going to look at it from a church perspective. Is there areas for us as a church that maybe needs to be recalculated to get us heading maybe in a different direction or, or in a different little route to help us get there quicker or be more intentional or be more efficient in what God has called us to be and do? And, and so for me, I'm 36, approaching 37 in November. Uh, we're expecting our third child. And I just don't want to look at my life. I don't want to be sitting in a chair one day looking back at my life and being like, man, I wasted it. I, I missed it there. Oh, I could have done so much more. I just want to be efficiently used by God. Because what I've learned is this, is over these last 10 weeks, life is far too precious to waste, is it not? And at a moment's notice, anything can be stripped from you. At a moment's notice, there can be an announcement. There can be a phone call. There can be an order put out. And things that we hold near and dear can be taken from us in a moment. And so I want us as a church and as a people to recalculate our lives in such a way that Jesus is our greatest desire and that we don't spend one second of wasted time. So I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray, and then we'll jump into Acts 20 here in a second. Father, we love you. Jesus, speak in this place. Father, speak to those listening online. God, just bless this time. Bless the proclamation of your word. God, we pray and beg of you to speak in a mighty way. God, I'm just going to always pray this over this place. And those that hear, God, is that you would save the lost. God, that you would move in a mighty way. If there'd be one here that doesn't know you this morning, Father, that you would uh, bring that realization to them, awaken in their heart a desire for you, Father. For those maybe even online, the same thing. God, encourage and do everything that you've, you've set out to do through the proclamation of your word. It's your name we pray. Amen. Oh, man. So Acts 20, we've got Paul, and Paul has spent three years in Ephesus, and that's actually on the west coast of what we know as today as Greece, and he's teaching and he's building up the church. And then you see at the end of chapter, at the chapter on verse 31, he says this, he says, for three years I did not cease day or night to do what? To admonish everyone with tears. I mean, so he's so connected to these people that he's admonishing and encouraging and, and praying for all of these people. And he was so successful in his ministry that according to Acts 19, verse 10, that it says this, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Is that not amazing? All of the residents of Asia didn't come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but they had heard the gospel, that the church had been so successful in being the church that the gospel goes out and the whole continent hears about Jesus. I mean, that just blows my mind. I think that's phenomenal. That's my heart and my desire for us as a church and as a people. Same thing. Man, man Bull Springs gets to hear the gospel. Why? Because the men and women at New Life Baptist Fellowship have got such a heart for the gospel that they're telling everybody that they're serving the community, that they're doing all of these things to make Jesus known and to make Jesus famous. And it doesn't just stop in Bull Springs, but it goes to Inman. It goes to outskirts until our whole state hears the gospel. Why? Because of what God's done in the hearts of the men and women in this church. And that's what's happening. That's what Paul has been a part of there. And so he leaves Ephesus and he spent the winter in Corinth there in Greece. And now he's on his way to Jerusalem. 
And he's, I believe he's just kind of hurrying back to get there for Pentecost. But he wants one more chance to see the leaders of the church there at Ephesus. And so what does he do? He, 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 when he gets close, he stops. As he's heading back to Jerusalem, he sends for the elders of the church, and they come to see him. And in Acts 20, verses 18 through 35, he gives pretty much what, it, what we'd consider his last words. It's a very moving encounter, and it, and it reads like this. Acts 20, 37, it says this. It says, and there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And so there was such love for the man. There was such care for the man. He had, he had done life with them. He had invested in them. He had uh, raised them up to send them out. He had pastored well. He had loved and served. And he had been a, a staple in that community, in that area. I mean, they're just heartbroken because they knew that this would be the last time that they get to see Paul. That they knew that this would be it for him. And, and we'll talk more in length here in a moment while that's the case. And so it says, and they accompanied him to his ship. So in Acts 20 here, 18 through 35, it's really kind of like a last will and testament. A last will and testament of Paul to the church that he loves and cares about so much. Where he seems to have worked longer than any other place he's been. And so this is just a very personal word from Paul about his deepest convictions, namely is what it means to follow Jesus and to be sold out to the cause of the gospel. And I just want to admit for a moment, as, as I circle back and I read these words, especially verses 22 through 24, I mean, I mean, they just want to make me renounce everything. It's just kind of like a battle cry. Let's, let's do this, church. Let's do this, men and women of God. Let's, let's go after it. I mean, just all the more do I want to abandon everything and just follow Christ into wherever and whatever he leads me into, no matter what the cost and so I guess if I was going to give you a summary for this morning of these three verses that we're going to camp out in here, it would be this, better to lose your life than waste it. Better to lose your life than waste it. And so let's see how this plays out. Acts 20, 22, it says this, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained. So there's something happening in Paul's heart, something happening in his life. Constrained here in the original language means obligated, it means bound to. So Paul is going to Jerusalem bound to what the Holy Spirit there. And so there's this internal pressure that he feels in this moment that's prompting him to go in that direction, to go to this place. The Holy Spirit's leading him and guiding him. And so for us, church, to recalculate our lives this morning... And to get to the place where we can say like Paul does, it's better to lose my life than to waste it. We've got to be constrained by the Spirit. We've got to be abandoned to the Spirit. We have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have to hand over everything to Him. And if, if I was going to make an argument this morning, or point us in a direction this morning, I believe this is how we all started anyways. I believe this is how it happened for us anyways when we started this race that we're running for the cause of the cross. When we, when we uh, were dead in our sins, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. He, he says this, he says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says that Jesus is accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Except in the Holy Spirit. So you would have never said that Jesus is Lord unless what? You're constrained by the Holy Spirit. Unless you're abandoned to the Holy Spirit. Unless he has come in and take up residence in your heart. If there's no sincerity in that statement, the only way that there can be is because what was dead is made alive and that only happens because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
And hear me, church, no believer ever says that it's better to lose my life than to waste it unless the Holy Spirit is active in you. Unless the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart, in your life, and, and you have come to that place where you've seen and you've, you've marveled at the glorious splendor of Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, so he just simply says, and now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. He's constra- constrained by the Spirit, but not knowing what will happen to me there. Not knowing what will happen to me there. I mean, man, I know all of our type A OCD people are kind of like freaking out. Like, are you, you kidding? We need, a, we need an agenda? And, and I've got a little bit of that in me too. Like, I need to know what's happening. I need to know the order. Um, okay, God, you're going to send me there, but, but I need some planning. I mean, what am I going to pack? What am I going to take with me? What do I need to do? I mean, not knowing what's going to happen to him there. And so the unwasted life that looks death in the face does not need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. The unwasted life doesn't have to have the agenda all laid out. See, we live in such an anxious, unsettled world, do we not? I mean, it's almost impossible for us to just relax and to be give you two examples in my life that I've seen personally. One, one is, is with me. Like, like I've noticed like one of the tendencies that I have is while we're on the couch trying to unwind, uh, the kids are down and we're just trying to unwind, it is so easy for me to pull out my phone and just start to go at it. I mean, we're engaged in a TV show or a movie or watching a game or something, and it's just so easy to just, I can't just focus on one thing. I've got to see what's being said, or I've got to take, uh, check a text, or I've got to update my status, or I've got some pictures I need to like. There's, there's so much stuff I've just got to do. I just can't be in that moment. And so, I mean, I've just noticed and caught myself over and over and over just scrolling while watching a movie and not having a clue really what's going on in either one, all the while talking to my wife. Yeah, you, you know how that ends. Like, it was crazy. Was it not yesterday? I was, in, I was on the couch doing that very thing, and my son, my eight-year-old son, has to say, uh, uh, Dad, Dad, do you not hear Mom? I said, huh? Yeah, she's right there, buddy. She's been calling your name for two days. And I said, uh, Meredith. Uh, yes, God, I have been. I said, no way. I didn't hear any of it. I was clueless to it. Had no idea. No idea. So that's one area in my life that I see it that I just can't be in the moment. Another is, is even with my little boy. Like, he's got it in him too. I don't know if it's inherited through dad or if it's the, uh, uh, the upbringing or, or what it is, but it's the same thing. It's like we get somewhere and we're doing something and, and we're five min- minutes into it. It's like, okay, dad, what's next? I'm like, do we have any finished this? We're going to go eat. Well, we're at. And then after that, what are we doing? Is anybody coming over? Can we go do this? Is that going to happen? Are we taking the car, your car, mom's car? And it's just like... Dude, just pump the brakes for a minute. You're eight. You have no worry in the world. Nothing. And I just, I just see that in us. And I guess my question is that either of those stories maybe kind of describe the angst in you. Describe the place that you're in. It's just so hard for us just to be there for that moment and be engaged in whatever it is, whether we know what's going to happen or not. And here Paul has no idea. No idea. Just not knowing what will happen to me there. And so every course that God appoints for his children to run disappears over a hill called the future. Every ministry takes a turn around the corner called future and it disappears into the unknown. See, the unwasted life has always lived one step from the unknown. One step from the unknown. That's what faith does. That's what faith is for. 
Hebrews 11.8 says it like this. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, listen, not knowing where he was going. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. I mean, I've got plans for this afternoon. I've got some things that I'm thinking that I'm going to do or some things that I'm thinking that will happen. I've, I've got plans, but the reality is this. If I'm following the Lord, I have no clue what's going to happen next. I just want to be obedient in the moment to Him. And what I've learned in my faith journey is that God doesn't give me a detailed itinerary. He just gives me a prompting of my heart. Scott, go here. Scott, say this. Scott, do that. That's like last night. Meredith and I were out in our subdivision as we're out in the subdivision, we're just kind of riding around and we see these, these guys that we know over at the tennis court. And so we kind of pop over there just to talk to them for a moment. Just, just, to, just to shoot the breeze, nothing formal, nothing. And in doing that, in the moment, somebody said something and I had the opportunity to brag on God for a moment. I wasn't planning on doing that. And as far as I know from conversations that I've had, uh, these people know Jesus. These people go to church. They follow Jesus. But in that moment, I had an opportunity for a brother that was struggling to try to encourage I wasn't planning on doing it. I was just, we're just out minding our business, just enjoying the cool of the evening. And in that moment, God opens up a door, and I have the opportunity to step in if I will. I mean, that's what faith looks like, church. That's, that's what Paul's doing here. So it's better to lose your life on the race course of faith than to say, I've got to know what's coming. I, I need to know what's next. I have to see what's happening around that turn. Because what I can guarantee you is this, is that, that you won't and you never will. That's impossible to know what's coming next. There's only one that does and that's God. But what you can bank on is that he will be there for you and with you through it all. And so look at what he can tell us this in verse 23. He says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. Not knowing what's going to happen to him. Other than this, this is what the Holy Spirit has revealed to him. Imprisonment and affliction. That's what's coming for the Apostle Paul. That's the will of God for the Apostle Paul. That's what he tells us. The Holy Spirit has pressed upon his heart. He's connected to the Holy Spirit. He's captivated and held captive by the Holy Spirit. And, and this is what the Spirit has pressed upon him. He's leading him away by faith to go somewhere that the only thing he's certain about is imprisonment and affliction. Let me just define what affliction is here. Affliction in this setting, in this uh, word, it means anything that causes pain or distress. Affliction is suffering and calamity. I don't even know what calamity is, but I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to sign up for that on the sign-up list. You know what I'm saying? The other words that kind of describe what's happening in affliction just leads me to believe, context leads me to believe that calamity is not good or fun or great. But that's what the Apostle Paul says, that the Holy Spirit has pressed upon him and made him known this is what's coming for him. This is what's going to happen. This is what he can count on in following Jesus in a life that's not wasted is affliction and imprisonment. And so let's just chat for a moment because I believe we just live in this world and, and I feel like we've been stung enough over the next, uh, the last few months, but it's so easy for us to move away from it is this prosperity gospel junk. And there's kids in the room and so I'm going to be very careful of what I say or how I describe it, but it's just, it's just junk and ridiculousness. That's what the prosperity gospel is. 
If you are saved, then God will do or give you and be for you everything that he's never promised is what they're selling and trying to get us to believe. And if that's the case, I always point back to the men and women in the scriptures. Because what do we see in the Apostle Paul's life? And I just want to say this for a moment as gentle as I can, uh, me included in this statement, is that the men and women in this room, we are peewee league compared to the Apostle Paul. We're not even JV. Like, like we're little league when it comes to comparisons to the Apostle Paul in sacrificially living, sharing the gospel, abandoning our lives for the call of God, being willing to serve. and go. It is just so hard. And I want it so bad, I think. I say I do until I'm in the moment. I want Jesus with everything in me and I want to follow him wherever he leads me all the while kind of like having this little asterisk beside that as long as he doesn't lead me to these places and I give him my little list and I'll talk to all these people as long as it includes this and it's nice and neat and I don't have to answer any questions that are difficult or outside the scope of what I know. The Apostle Paul wasn't like that. The Apostle Paul, man, I mean, I don't know another in Scripture or in life that I have ever met that has been that sold out for the cause of the gospel, for the cause of Jesus. And what we see here is the will of God leading Paul to the place where he would eventually lose his life. And he is knowing and aware of that, of what's awaiting him. And look at what else he says in verse 24. He says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I know what's awaiting me. I know what's coming for me. But you know what? He says, That's fine. Because while I'm there, my life is of no value or precious to me. I just want to finish the course. I want to finish the race that God's given me, the ministry that he's given me. And that ministry is to tell as many people about the gospel, to tell as many people about Jesus as I possibly can. I've been given this ministry to perform, to tell people the gospel of the grace of God. This ministry is like a race that I'm running. There's this race course that Paul's on. There's this race course church that you and I are on. And he says, this is why I live. This is what my life means. I want to finish the race. I want to fulfill the ministry that God's given me. I don't want to stop. I don't want to leave the course. I don't want to go backwards. If I do, my life's been wasted is what Paul says. So when he says, I do not count my life of any value but for this one thing, isn't he saying this, that it's better to be faithful and die than unfaithful and live? Isn't he saying it's better to lose your life than to waste it? He says, my goal is not to stay alive. My goal is to stay on course. My goal is to be obedient to what God has given me and commissioned me and asked of me to do. You know, listen to how Paul says it in Philippians. Philippians 3.8, he says this. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Rubbish is a word we can't use in church. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So, so one of the things that Paul says here that he counts as rubbish was staying alive and living 80 years, making $80 million, never having a sick day while running off the race course toward the, race course toward the cliff. He says that kind of success is rubbish. And he says it's better for me to lose my life than to waste it on that. 
Oh, church, how God has exposed this reality in us in this season in our life. Oh, how he has so quickly robbed us of the accolades and the success and the accomplishments and the comforts of life and how he has stripped us of that. I guess my question would be for you is, have you viewed this time as a blessing? Like, have you seen the things that we've gone through as a blessing, as a time to maybe uh, to, to refocus or to recalculate or, 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 to, or to get back to things that are utmost important? I mean, it's a good gift of God. He is loving enough to expose all those little G-gods in our life well, so that he can show us the one and only true living God, and it's him. And it's him. And what we see in the Apostle Paul is that very thing. He says, man, nothing else matters I don't count my life of any value. It's not precious. Me being alive means nothing if only I've finished the course in that ministry that God has given me. And he says that course in that ministry that God has given me, and I believe that he has given every one of us who has come to faith in his son Jesus, is that that ministry of telling people about Christ, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to start here this week so that we could just recalculate maybe our own life that we could recalculate it in a way that would maybe better match up to the route that God would want us all to take personally. And where I would pressure this, have you been wasting it? Have you been wasting your life? Have you been using it on yourself? Focused on things that make you feel comfortable or focused on, on things that, 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 that serve you and not the mission that God has called us to be on. It's his beloved children. I mean, have, you, have you wasted it? And so for in order for us to get to that place, we'll land, we're going to land this next week, is that we need to have a heart and a desire for Christ. We, we need to do exactly what Paul says here. I don't count my life of any value. It's not precious at all. I just want to finish the course and the ministry that God's given me. I want to tell as many people about Jesus. And he did that in Asia. All of Asia heard the gospel of Christ. Maybe an area I could press you this morning is this. Who have you talked about? Who have you talked to about the gospel of Jesus during this time? We've been out 10 weeks. And I'm not talking about a buddy or a neighbor that you know. Or like me last night, those guys on the tennis court that I know. I'm talking about somebody maybe that you work with that you don't know whether or not they know Jesus. And maybe you're not as close to them, so it's not as comfortable and easy to have those type of conversations. I'm talking about maybe a lost neighbor or someone that's working that's panicked in fear. I mean, who have you talked to about Jesus? For the purpose of making Christ known with the hope and desire of them coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul says, that's my heartbeat. That's the ministry. That's what God's done. And my life is worthless apart from that. Apart from that. He says, it's wasted and of no value. There's nothing special about it. I belong to Jesus is what he's saying. I have this course and this route that he wants me to take. I want to make it to the end of that course, whether it be six months from now, six years from now, 60 years from now. The very heartbeat behind that course or ministry that God has called you to as a Christian is to testify of the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's my heart for us this morning. Is will we, will we recalculate ourselves in such a way that we say, you know what, I'm going to tell as many people as I can about Christ. My life has no value. I don't care if they make fun of me. I don't care if they uh, don't include me. I don't care what they say or what they post about me. I don't care if, if, if I get ignored. The course and ministry that God has got me on is to tell people of Jesus and take the gospel to the world. 
So recalculating, that's, that's what we're doing here as we step out of this time of uncertainty and as we press toward the future of who God wants us to be individually as followers as well as corporately as the church. And, and so for now, this is what it's going to look like. So for now, so, so, so why the 10 o'clock gathering instead of 9? Why 10 a.m. corporate worship? We just feel like we can be more effective in reaching more people at 10 o'clock. We just feel like that we'd have an opportunity to invite more, to, to get more, to go after more. And just moving it back just one hour, bumping it back one hour is going to put us in a position that's going to uh, allow us to accomplish that in, in so many different ways. So many different ways. And so for us, what that means is this, is that we're not going to have discipleship development through the summer. We're just going to wait. We know the vacations are coming up. We know all the things that keep rolling out, and we're trying to find out more about this virus and all that type of stuff. We just don't feel comfortable as a church putting a, a lot of people in a classroom in close proximity right now. And so we're going to push pause on that. And so we're going to continue just to gather on Sunday mornings, and as things roll out and as we see what's happening and kind of uh, can diagnose that, we'll, we'll start to open up more. So our children's ministry will start to eventually kind of open up more and we'll start to roll out some of that stuff. But for right now, it'll be a 10 o'clock Sunday morning corporate worship gathering. And then we're going to look to get back to discipleship development in the fall. And that's just going to be at a different time and we'll explain more of that next week. And so right now, Wednesday night through up through the summer into the fall, Wednesday night's going to be postponed. And so what I'm going to do there, though, is we're going to start to roll out and get back to doing some more midweek, like videos, Bible studies, prayer times, those type of things are about to come. We've just been working like crazy around here, getting things ready, getting things set up for this morning as we gather. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to be rolling out more Bible studies. We'll get back into First Peter. We're going to get back to, to, to praying weekly online. So if you have requests or things there, we're going to start to get back, that back up and running. But in the fall, we'll come back to our Wednesday night service, and that'll, that'll look a little bit different, how we're going to do that, how we're going to try to accomplish and be all that Christ has, has called us to be. And so I'm going to touch more on all of this stuff next week as we gather and kind of roll out what it means for us as the church to kind of recalculate who we are and, and where, not where we're heading. We're still heading to the same place, but it's just the journey that we take to get there is going to look a little bit different. And so we'll talk more about that next week. And so some of the time uh, changes is just, is just in line of that. It's to help us line up better with who God's called us to be. And so I guess my question for this morning is this as we close and the band comes back up. What areas of your life do you need to recalculate? What areas of your life do you need to look at and do you need to ask God, okay, God, what do you want to do? God, what do you need to do in me? God, what are some areas that, that I need to just press on and some areas where, where maybe I'm just wasting my life, some areas where, where I'm just so focused on things that maybe don't bring glory and honor, maybe some areas that I need to stand down, maybe some areas that man, I can follow you more for the purpose of telling as many people about Jesus as you can for the purpose of being equipped the best you can be equipped to be able to do ministry the way that God would call you to do ministry at your job, in your community, in your family. And so I don't know what God's pressed upon your heart. I don't know what God said to you this morning as a result of his word. But man, I just want to encourage you that the altar's open if you want to come pray. But by all means, you be obedient to Jesus in this moment of his leading. Father, we love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for allowing us to get back together in this place. God, thank you for the sweet but difficult words that Paul pens. God, that his life is of no value. First and foremost, apart from you. And secondly, he doesn't want to waste it on things that don't matter. He has got a ministry 
And he's got a course that he is on for the glory and honor of you. And so, Jesus, I pray that we get a hold of that, God, that this morning the Holy Spirit presses upon our heart that reality and our need of you. Jesus, do a work in this place. God, help us not to leave this place the same as we came in. But, Father, help us to have a passion and desire far more for you. Lord, as we look at those words of Paul, as we read those words of Paul, oh, God, may your Holy Spirit press upon our heart all the more a reckless abandonment to you and your cause. God, we have got a mission field to reach. And God, I believe that there is no better time than right now. God, you have set it up for us to be able to go and have conversation. God, with all the things that have happened this week, all the things that have transpired over the last few months, oh God, the field is ripe for picking. God, help us. And we pray. Amen. You guys stand. The band's going to lead us in a song.